Alrighty, and welcome to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateria. Kevin O'Rourke is back. How you doing, KO? I'm doing great. It's good to be back on the show. It's uh, it's pretty good to have you back. No Allison this week, but wow. For the second week in a row, the one, the only, Mossy Segopian. Yeah, this is getting ridiculous. This is crazy. <laughs> I mean, what happened? <laughs> You know, you asked me if I can make it today, and I'm like, man, I was just on last week, but that was last year, so I think it's okay. Hold, hold on. Let's just clear something up right now. I didn't ask you. <laughs> <laughs> Masis, it's great to have you on the show. <laughs> well, I'm back. You're back, and uh, that is right. This is the first show of the new year. We hope that everybody had an awesome new year and uh, was, was safe and happy and had lots of fun. Uh, we've got lots of Zelda to get into in the new year, and uh, we're going to kick it off old school and talk about The Legend of Zelda, or Zelda Two as it's known, Adventure of Link. And uh, we figured, what better authority for some of those uh, those NES Zelda games than, than Moss? Because uh, I, I don't know anyone that knows more about the the first two NES uh, Zelda games. So glad that you're with us here. Um, we're going to do a deep dive into Zelda and into Zelda 2, how it happened, what we like, what we don't like. And you know what? I guess um, let's just get right into it, actually, because uh, there's not there's not really a whole lot of other stuff going on, and uh, I'm ready to rock. So let's do it. Uh, so this game was released January 14th, 1987, and I was telling Kevin before we started recording, it always shocks me how well this game sold. This game sold almost 5 million copies just on the NES, and that's not counting all of its uh, subsequent remakes and stuff like that. I mean, that just blows my mind. Why is that so surprising? I don't know. Maybe, you know, you kind of hear this narrative, especially in, uh, you know, in, in latter years of the Zelda series where you're, you hear the narrative of Zelda two is kind of like the, the black sheep of the series and it's, it's not that great of a game. So, I mean, you hear that and you just kind of equate that with like, Oh yeah, well it probably bombed. Right. So I, I don't know. It always just kind of surprises me that it sold so well. And, and I know, I knew that it did, but just when I see that number, like, you know, this game sold more than, Link's Awakening, Skyward Sword, uh, like lots of really big Zelda games that we talk about a lot, particularly here on the show. Yeah, you gotta also keep in mind its release date. You said 87. That's like very, very early in the NES's life cycle when it was really just picking up steam as well. So it had sort of like a long tail where people were playing that game for three, four, five years even after it was released. Yeah, in the late 80s and the early 90s, Nintendo ruled the world. So a ton of people were picking this game up, especially to play Zelda and, like, the sequel to Zelda. How could you go wrong? Yeah, and plus it was, uh, I, I think the first, it, it was, like, one of the first, it got, like, a full feature in Nintendo Power Magazine as well. I think it was the third issue was all about Zelda 2 Adventure of Link. So it was, like, Nintendo was really pushing it, and it was, it was... You know, when you think back to the NES's like, like I'm I'm a big NES guy. There was not that many it, it had like two life cycles I think in of itself. Cuz the games from 85, 86, 87 
generally speaking, I think we're not, we're a little more, they were just, like, getting used to the technology. Outside of, like, Super Mario Brothers and, like, Legend of Zelda, I would say, a lot of the early games, um, I don't think they hold up as well as some of the later NES games as they, like, learned the architecture of the system. So, and Adventure of Link is one of those early games, too, where I think it's just put together, and it, it lasted the test of time. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, also, too, like, a, a big portion of, like, the NES library, too, is, like, you have arcades that you're competing with. So there's a lot of, like, ports of arcade games, so, like, a lot of the development of games was, like, hey, let's just, like, put an arcade in someone's house. And Adventure of Link is, is not that game. Um, this is a little bit of a sidebar here, but since we were just talking about it, Moss, maybe you could, uh just quickly tell us about your NES collection, how you got into that, uh, and like how, what, what it's like to be a, an NES collector. Uh, it's hard these days because things are is just so damn expensive. I've kind of backed off a little bit on my collecting, actually. But um, I always loved the simplicity of the NES. I mean, I kind of grew up, my first console, like my I had older brothers, so we had an NES. I was born in 86, but I some of my earliest memories in 1991 were playing NES. In fact, I vividly remember my oldest brother had an NES in his room, and I was too young to go to school. But then he would go to school, and I was not supposed to play the system. And he had it high up on his like shelf on his counter where I couldn't really reach it. But I remember like <laughs> putting chairs together just to climb up. It was really a safety hazard. Like no, <laughs> no parent would allow this these days. But my parents didn't and like climbing up and I'm like sitting on top of a shelf and playing <laughs> Super Mario Brothers and like double dribble and some of these games that we had and uh, so like I, I kind of grew up with it it was like I kind of grew up with the NES and then the Super Nintendo um, and then like years later I kind of just went back to it I kind of rekindled my interest like when I first like starting having to have enough money to buy my own stuff when I was like a teenager like one of the first things I did was purchase an NES for I don't know like 20 bucks and I remember going to my local like pawn shop and they had old NES games for like 50 cents or a buck and uh, there was a brief period of time where like I was like I remember buying some rare stuff there I think I bought like some super Nintendo. like I got a chrono trigger there for like a dollar Oh wow. wow! That's a steal. Yeah, in like That's criminal in like two thousand. So this is like when they were giving this stuff away for free, basically. Wow. Yeah, and, and uh, I remember I got from Cash Converters. I got a complete inbox, and one visit I got in one haul a complete inbox, original Legend of Zelda, an Adventure of Link, and a Final Fantasy, for fifteen bucks total. That's. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, there are five, and that was actually a little later. That was like 2008, so that was like, but it was, that was right on the verge when the NES collecting scene started picking up steam, and now there are games that were like a buck or two bucks that are now 30 or 40 bucks or something, and then there are games that were, you know, 15, 20 bucks then that are now in the hundreds. It's gotten to be an incredibly expensive hobby. And uh, I, I, I started fairly early on, I would say, before the, like the big, before it took off. And I w- I'd go to garage sales and I'd go to flea markets every week. And uh, I'd pick up a game here or there, here or there. 
But then it was like, I think it was in 2012, I bought this gigantic lot on eBay that had like 900 games. Oh, wow. And um, they had a lot of like reproduction games and like fan made games. And like, I, I remember opening and I saw the, one of the first games I saw was Sonic the Hedgehog on the NES. I'm like, okay, what the heck did I buy? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't remember that game coming out for NES. <laughs> right, yeah. It was just. Some... Must have missed that one. <laughs> Um, so then I had I had like 400 games at that point, but then I bought this giant lot, and then after I bought that lot, I was only missing a very few handful of games, and I've since picked up most of them, and now I, I more or less have the full library. Some games I have reproduction copies, like Nintendo World Champions, and, and uh, you know, some of those like outrageously rare and expensive games that... I'll never, right. I'll never get those. And then there's, there's about a dozen games that I have the European version, because they're, it's just a lot cheaper, and uh, it, they play exactly the same. So, uh, yeah, that's like probably my, my, my biggest thing I collect actually, even more than Zelda stuff I would say. And in recent years, I've, I've probably picked up about two hundred new NES games in the last two three years, in terms of like. Um, Games that have brews and yeah, stuff like that. Games yeah. that are just being made uh, now. Hey, did you ever get that golf story golf game? A golf? Yes, I did. Golf. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I missed. I missed out on the. Uh, was that limited run games? I think. Yes. I, I missed out on the initial batch, so I had to. I bought it secondhand and paid probably like a thirty percent. Way more. Up, yeah. Not not a crazy amount more, but. Uh, that that annoys me when I miss out on that stuff, and then it's like there's I can't like as much of a collector as I am, I'm not I've never been in it to make money, and mm-hmm. I can't stand those people. But I totally understand it because yeah, the scalpers. Yeah, the, and this is with every industry in the world, I guess at this point when there's high demand and they buy stuff, they're just to flip it to make some money. Where I think there's other people out there that just want to play games or there's people like me who just want to collect the games right and it, it's frustrating when like i don't know what the like the limited run games or, or whatever but whenever there's like a limited edition it's like some guy goes and snipes like a hundred of them and then you know sells them at 50 percent more because that because they command that that value because there's people like me that absolutely need to have them those i, I hate those people I remember seeing a couple uh, Zelda fan games in your collection, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got... Uh, there's a handful of NES Zelda games that I've, I've played. And some of them are hot garbage. <laughs> there's one... one like I, So I didn't even know what I bought when I got some of these. And I remember a couple years back, I was playing some of them. And uh, one of them is just Super Mario Brothers with a Link sprite. There you go. But hey, that's called Super Mario Maker now. Yeah, oh god, no. That's We've come full circle in 2020. It's but it's it's awful. It's just Super Mario Brothers with like a bad sprite. There's nothing new about the game. I think they changed like the mushrooms to I'm not sure what it is, but like it's just a swap a, a sprite swap of the game and nothing new. There's no it's not a new it's not its own game. And that is very disappointing. But then there's other games that are like full-blown quests like uh like a third quest of the legend with like an alternate map but it's still the same dungeons with right. m- more or less the same enemies um 
there's some quirky things where they have the same enemies, but they swapped enemy sprites. So it's like... Oh, yeah, with, uh, like, P-hats uh, replacing buyers, right? Yeah, there'll be, like... It's like a yeah, it's like a puzzle to figure out what enemy you're fighting. It's like it's just like a little Stalfos, but it's actually a Lionel, you know, in terms of its yeah. There, there you go, right there. Obviously, uh, the authority on some some old school NES games, which is which is why we thought you'd be perfect for this uh, Adventure of Link episode. So, I just uh, I finished playing Adventure of Link last night i started it thursday finished it last night this was the first time in a long time that i've beat it from start to finish i've i've picked it up over the years and like played a little bit of it uh usually i get to like death mountain or i get to maybe like the third palace or something like that and then it just frustrates me too much so i stop playing it i really have to give a shout out to the switch and its rewind feature i know that a lot of people listening or might be just be like, oh, you use rewind feature, you didn't actually beat it. <laughs> if if, if you're not a real gamer, it. if you use the rewind feature, I am not a real gamer, because that thing was a godsend for me. I used it tons and tons and tons of times during my playthrough. So um, the Switch port of that game is, like, really, really incredible. Um, so, and I didn't play I didn't play the SP version, I think it's called, where you start up with all the powers and you have level 8 everything. So there was a little bit of challenge, but man, did it ever make life easier. Um, have you guys played Adventure of Link on the Switch yet? Yes, I was just playing it yesterday. I, I have not, oh, yeah, no. that's right. You got to level three, right, Kev? Uh, yeah, I made it up to level three, and then uh, I just I just kind of, you know, got a refresh. Right. Just put it down. Masis, um, I think we played it at the Zelda Dungeon Marathon on the Switch, or did we play it on Wii U? I think we played it on we Wii U. We played it on Wii U. Yeah. But it, it to me the base game is is still identical. Outside of those those, the SP version obviously the or the Life of Luxury or whatever it's called, is totally changes the difficulty. Right. Uh, but the uh, I mean the the save state or rewind features that they've had, uh, I think there's save state versions in the Wii U version, right? Can't you do that? I believe so. You could do the save states, but not the uh, yeah. You you can't do the res- rewind restore feature. points. Yeah, that's the rewind feature is new to the Switch, um, and that's not even that old. That's a couple of months old, and I think you could do save states in Wii U. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's and yeah, the same on Switch. I think it's good that they add those features to make it more accessible, because I, then I think people enjoy it because they get less frustrated. It, it, yes, that, that's a that's a sign of the times with NES games where, um, you know, you get game over in the middle of like the, you know, the, the hidden palace or something, and it's like. Oh, you gotta start all the way back at North Castle and literally just walk the overworld, get back to the dungeon, and then go through that early. Bo- it's like, it's just annoying, and it. it th- well, let's let's talk about um, and let's kind of go in order here. Um, I want to talk about things that I think that this game did right, and there's a lot of them, and I'll list them off, and you guys can kind of agree with me, disagree, and we'll we'll talk about that. And then I want to do the same thing for what I think this game did wrong. I made a lot of notes when I was um, doing my playthrough about things that just maybe maybe don't necessarily stand the test of time. Because um, I, I kind of agree with you where, on one hand, uh, a lot of the, the difficulty in this game is derived from that this is an old NES game. But on the other hand, I feel like there are problems that are specific to Adventure of Link. 
in this game. But before we get there, let's talk about um, what this game does right. The first thing that I wrote down was music. Uh, I really love the music in this game. And, you know, I think it's very underrated among Zelda fans, especially because a lot of people consider older games to have lower quality music. But, man, the, the jams in this are extremely catchy. And, uh, you know, they're still used in the series today in Smash and other aspects so i the music is a big plus for me and maybe an unsuspecting big plus it's fantastic and it i think it's actually the most consistent soundtrack in the entire series actually in the sense that i think every single tune is really good i i can't there's no i don't think awful song in this in, there's only like seven songs or whatever I, you know i was gonna say that i may i might as well just throw one of my negatives in here now because like as awesome as the temple song is, you hear it every single palace except for the last dungeon. Yeah, oh, I think okay. that's just the limit of the hardware. Yeah, I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't view that as a. I mean, they're. Yeah, the, the, I guess there it is repetitive because there's not enough music, but like I think, like I absolutely adore the title theme. I love the palace theme. I love the town theme. I love the great palace theme. Is probably my favorite tune. But they're all good. And even like the overworld, which is probably not my favorite, but it's everything is good in the music. The bad yeah, especially the uh, the Brental Floss remix of the Overworld for Zelda Two with lyrics. Uh, I like the original classic. better. <laughs> yeah. I like the original, but the uh, the remix is good. I mean I'm I'm kind of a sucker for the the temple theme from super smash bros that's one of my just favorite tracks probably still in smash to this day so i i kind of went in and i played smash before i played zelda 2 so i went into this just kind of already liking and humming the tune or whatever but yeah just really great music i think if that was maybe um not as good of a track it would be a bigger deal that you hear it uh in five different in five different dungeons but you know i'm, I'm okay with that um another thing that i really was kind of surprised by it and again it's just it's been such a long time since i've got into so far into the game i really do think that this game has pretty decent dungeons in the sense that like a lot of them are almost like mazes and and you have to there's a lot of different ways that you can go i think it takes the 2d limitation or maybe not limitation but it, it uses what it has really well um, to give you kind of a, a maze-like feel where you're constantly going back and forth and getting keys, opening doors. Um, it sounds very simple, but I, I really liked the, the dungeons in this game. I, I liked it more than I remembered liking them. Yeah, I think especially with the dungeons, um, what kind of sets this apart from, and I'm not even going to compare it to other Zelda titles, but to other 2D side-scroller games that are kind of like this, like Castlevania Two or like Faxinadu, um, it's it's difficult to make like a 2D side-scrolling game with like a 2D overworld. And I think what makes the dungeons stand out and makes them like really, really fun and, and unique and not like puzzling so much, like for, for frustration reasons, is because you have that overworld to kind of break that up. So you're in the dungeon, you know you're in the dungeon, um, and you need to like solve that complex direction you know to figure out where you have to go and what you need to get yeah and, and what's great about the dungeons in this game is i think like parappa palace the first the first palace it's it's very simplistic really 
it, there, there's not that there's not that many like you know diverging paths and uh, but you, there is though like you get to an elevator it's like oh i can go down or i can go forward it's like there's there's all obviously one leads to a dead end because you need a key but when you look at the overall map of parappa palace it's a very small dungeon and i think they escalate very appropriately as you go through the game where mm-hmm, like I agree. like it's good it's a good uh it's good pacing in terms specifically of the dungeon. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if difficulty is the word, but just the, the just the scope like of them. The complexity, right? Yes, and, and, and yeah, that caps off completely with uh, with the great pals. I think they do a good job too of like, you know, you can you can take an elevator down, go left, right. There's multiple different elevators, and even some of the ladder dungeons. But like, I never felt really disorientated. Like, I, I always kind of knew roughly where I was and where I needed to go back to and everything like that. And even, like, even if you take, let's say, a wrong turn and you and you hit a dead end, like, there's usually something worth your while there, like a point bag or something, to to make it not just be, like, kind of a... Kind of like a cheap, like, you know, you hit a dead end. Um, so I like that a lot. Uh, and especially in later dungeons too, there is more stuff and there's more secret ways that you can take to, uh, you can get link dolls or you can, you can go through walls and stuff like that. Just very, very cool stuff. Um, that's in these dungeons. I like too, that this game to me, it feels like the, the temples on the overworld are like less hidden, um, than in, in, in the original Zelda. Because in the original Zelda, there's there's lots of different times where you just, like, you burn some random bush and, like, oh, here here you go, I'll go down and buy this, buy that. Um, in, in this game, more so, it feels like you can actually see a lot of the, the different things or a lot of the hidden spots. Or you can at least see where you'd think hidden spots would be. So, like, if you if you see a trail that's kind of going off to nowhere, you can you can follow it and then, like, at the end of it, you're you're thinking like I bet you that there's a action scene there and you can take that trail on there is an action scene there. I feel like this game did just a little bit better job like kind of um, conditioning you to to know or to assume or to suspect where some of these hidden items might be and like the temples themselves were like most of them were on the on the map you could see them there wasn't any like guesswork there wasn't like I, I feel like this game you could play more so without a walkthrough than the original Zelda, if that makes sense. Definitely. You're 100% right. I think, when I think back to the original Legend of Zelda, it's difficult for two reasons. One, it's difficult in terms of just, like, the puzzle aspect of figuring out where you have to go. Because you just get stuck and you just don't know where it is. And that gets amplified even further in, like, the, the second quest. But then the, mm-hmm. the other difficulty is the actual combat and getting through the dungeons, especially some of the later ones with some of the tougher enemies. With the Adventure of Link, that first aspect is, I don't think, it's almost non-existent. Maybe a little bit towards the end with the hidden village and, or with the hidden temple and, uh, and like, the town of yeah. Kasuto and that kind of stuff. But, like, the bulk of the of the game, you know what you have to do, or you have an idea of where you should be, and it's just a matter of execution. And I think that makes... Um, Actually, with like, I didn't play Legend of Zelda when it like was brand brand new, but like, um, I imagine that's probably more frustrating than Adventure of Link would be. Uh, yeah, but like, so to put it this way, um, I played Zelda 
maybe like a year ago. Actually, and I think that we did a show on it right after, so go figure that you're back for the, the other NES game. But So I played the original Zelda maybe like a year ago in full. That was also the first time I'd played that in a little bit. And if I wouldn't have had a walkthrough, I would have been pooched. This game, <laughs> I, uh, I used a walkthrough for like a few things, but nothing nothing compared to the original Zelda. So yeah, it's they're... just like you it's 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 a more um it's a it's a game that kind of lets you figure out things a little bit more easily, I think, and, and I appreciate mm-hmm. that in Adventure of Link. Oh yeah, for sure. Um I was just going to add like there there's some kind of cryptic secrets in this game in Zelda 2, but they're a little less uh uh, ridiculous i guess than than the original game um i think some things may fall into some like weird translation issues that we may take for granted like the infamous i am error i am error um there's a couple of you know funky worded things that you have to uh get the power if you know what i mean to figure out your way through this game yeah yeah it's, it's really the I would say that's almost exclusively, though, like, uh, around the Sixth Temple, around the Hidden Temple, and after. I don't think anything before then is... I can't think off the top of my head that's very cryptic. Like, even the, like, error that... It's like, you you meet this guy, and he says, I am error. But then later on, it says, Asks air, ask error in... I forgot what town it <laughs> yeah. is. In, in uh, yeah. Saria Town? Or, no, it's not Saria Town. It's not, whatever town it is he's in. It's like ask air, and then you go and talk to air, and he tells you, I think to walk south from King's Tomb, and it's like, oh, he actually gives you like there is a, the, the dots get connected, if you actually go back and talk to the NPCs. Yeah, some some of them are a little worthless, but some are are pretty good. I could think of uh, our good friend Bagu, that might be a little more difficult to find as well. Yes. Where you have to uh, yeah. you know, get the bridge laid down for you. But, you know, you have to be good buddies with Bagu in order to, uh, you know, call in a favor. Uh, Bagu's just hiding in, like, a one square tile in the forest. So that I could see being a little like, hey, you know, how could you find this? But if you're exploring the game and you're a little lost, you're probably going to just wander around in the overworld and start fighting enemies to, and you find secrets that way. Yeah. Yeah, this, this game definitely does have those, like, random kind of tiles that are secrets that if you if you didn't know then you probably wouldn't find it um i i think it does a better job than the original zelda of like uh, of letting you find things um more easily but there is still some of that left over for sure particularly uh bagu in the forest or like if you're looking for like some of those link dolls or heart containers uh, i think there's like there's one heart container where you got to walk like straight up a, a path of water and it's kind of like an invisible line i feel yeah, like if you right if you didn't know palace. that then you probably aren't getting that uh that heart container yeah but i i do think that like generally speaking it does a, a good job and there is like a lot of cool stuff in the overworld to there like there's enough to do in the overworld that i think that uh that's another plus i would say of this game kind of the overworld structure and like yes it's super 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 frustrating when you die and have to restart from uh, the beginning, but as you progress, you also get the means to cut down on your travel time a lot. Like if you get the hammer, if you get the the raft, or anything like that. So 
it, I, I like that it's a little bit more accessible if you can get if you can get past a certain point. Yeah. Yeah, and it gets quicker too once you become more familiar. Like, as soon as you find the dungeon, you know how to get there. Um, yeah. I do think like if you die at the island palace, that might be a little confusing to get back there, or it might be maybe not confusing is the right word, but you have to go through King's Tomb again. Uh, you the, know, the you worst for me is going through Death Mountain again. Oh, dying in Death Mountain could the, be death. The, yeah. The, the 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 worst parts of of dying are, um, the worst parts of dying. Uh, if you're <laughs> later in Death Mountain, or if you're in the Valley of Death, going towards the Great Palace. Or if you're like deep within like the hidden palace, where it's like there's just there's just so much, it you know where it takes five minutes just to get back there, to the same and and it's difficult getting there. So you might die once or twice getting there. It's like so you finally get back to the place where you're at, and you might only have one life or something. Yeah. Yeah. They don't call it Death Mountain for nothing. Well, that's that's where I was just like, thank God for this rewind feature on the switch because i think the last time i played adventure of link i got to death mountain got pretty much to the end died and i was just like rage quitting and i was like nope i'm done so i was uh, i was happy for that um one thing that i think is cool in this game that you know i don't know that we talk about it enough but like this is really one of the only zelda games that uses experience points in any like direct way um which i you know i kind of like there's uh Often in, like, Zelda games or even, like, a Metroid game or whatever, I'm playing it and I'm just, like, I, you know, the part of me is just, like, okay, I gotta beat all the enemies here. and But then I'm just, like, well, there's not really any reward to beating the enemies, so maybe I'll just skip past them, which I feel is kind of, like, a big part or takes away a big part of the game. But, you know, this game does give you the, the reward of, you know, accumulating points for beating harder enemies um, and, and it also adds a little bit of, uh, of like fun to the overworld or to dungeons and stuff like that. Like I mentioned with the point bags that are hidden everywhere. Um, I, I like that aspect in Zelda. I don't know. I don't know if I would want it back in a new Zelda, but for this one, I did kind of like seeing, um, seeing the reward for beating all of the enemies in this game, because like the enemies are, some of them are, are, you know, crazy hard. And it, it does feel good when you finally beat them to get something back. Yeah, I think it's it's totally not the same thing. But they did bring some of that back with Breath of the Wild, I think. Where um, you actually want to fight the enemies a little bit. Because they, they, like, they drop spoils that are very useful. That if you're trying to save up to upgrade stuff or to sell them the beetle or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So there's, there is more of an effect of like a desire to beat the enemies and that and breath of the wild also has like a hidden level up system that that that's in the back end of the game where as you start beating more shrines and get further in the game um your you know your your item pickups you get become more powerful where they get better upgrades and like you know a knight's claymore might have a higher attack later in the game based on the number of shrines you've beaten as opposed to earlier in the game and uh, also, like stronger enemies start appearing based on how you know. So they have, it's a totally different kind of like level up system, but it is existed. It does exist in in Breath of the Wild. Um, but yeah, it, it, the the adventure of Link, that that system I think is more of a, 
it took more from like the RPGs, like Final Fantasy and some of those. Yeah, those mm-hmm. those early RPGs. Yeah, I do. I do think there are some flaws with the experience system, but I overall enjoy it. Maybe if we talk about some of the flaws, yeah, uh, yeah, we could for get sure. into that a little bit. Um, but I, I like it. It's it's like a true RPG. And it's this it's this weird action mix of an RPG too. Yeah. Um, another thing about this game, uh, speaking of RPGs, I do like the like the different spells that you can get and the different sword techniques. I do wish that there were a little bit uh, more sword techniques, but I guess you know what do you what are you gonna do other than stab up and stab down? But um, I did like that. Um, I I think that uh, you know I like the idea of the spells. I think a lot of them were. Maybe not a lot of them, but the, some of them were just kind of like kind of lame. Like you didn't you didn't use them a whole lot. Like the fairy spell, you maybe use two or three times in a game. Oh, I think shield was awesome. I think jump was jump. I feel like I always feel bitter when I have to use the jump spell because I'm like, think you should just be able to jump this no matter what. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I like the idea of those spells, and I I also like like kind of the. Uh, quest is the wrong word but like there's always a little bit of something that leads up to you getting the the spells like you have to like bring water to the lady or you have to you know just do something in order to be rewarded with them i like what uh i like what adventure of link was trying to do with those spells yeah and i'm gonna push back a little bit on the fairy spell that's actually my favorite spell in the game it's a lifesaver because one like yeah it saves you if you're about to fall into a hole you can turn into a fairy uh you if you have a challenging room that you have trouble getting through you can turn into a fairy and glide you know right through you know right over all the enemies um you can go you know okay okay i'll give you that i I never did that i uh i didn't even think to do that actually that's a good point you can use you can turn into a fairy and fly through locked doors without using a key so there there's a yeah that's i think that's the biggest utility too is what you can can do that really yeah yeah. Mm mm-hmm (laughs) <laughs> this changes everything. Okay, okay. Maybe I'll take back what I said the about the game has then. changed. Now, granted, the the spell spell. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That ha- That's a quality one. Uh, now that does have some uses in the in like in combat because it, it it transforms specific enemies into I think like little that it transforms them into like aches I think or not aches into aches uh, are the bats. Yeah, uh, they transform them. Some I think it transforms into aches, and some it transforms them into bots. So it's like, but it's like it. The, the game never tells you that, and I think the average no. person never even knows that you can use the spell spell to call. No, I I didn't. I don't think I used it once in my playthrough. <laughs> I love that it's just called the spell spell. I know. <laughs> it's like a speaking spell. I think the th- a thunder spell also has some of those extra like it kills enemies, but like it takes so much magic that people yeah. you can't really use yeah. that. Uh, but you're really just cooking it for the final boss. Yeah. So the, the, there's a few that are like, yeah. But like the fire spell is a nice one. It's a total. Yep, that's a good one. Totally optional spell um, too. You don't need it. I I don't like the. Uh, oh God, what is it? The reflect spell is that? Uh, uh, yeah, that's a lame one. Yeah. Yeah, really that, just that one is one, lame. The one boss. Maybe maybe I'll I'll remove fairy from under the bus and say reflect is lame because again it's like. Actually, like I like the idea of it, but like. Then you have no way to damage those enemies like regularly. So I feel like, it, and we'll talk about this in a sec, but I feel like that's just another instance of this game's like 
artificial difficulty where it's like okay there shouldn't be there shouldn't be any enemy in the game i don't feel like that i can't beat just with my sword oh but don't you think this is a, that's like a trend that started with this and then it's become a norm in the legend of zelda series since yeah but there's there's also like there's a lot of different ways that you can beat uh like Wizardrobes later in the series, like with a shield or with a bow, and like you just don't have that option here. And yeah, like magic, magic limited. is very—it's a, you know, it's a scarce commodity in this game, especially in um, in some of the the final palaces. So like you don't want to waste that on a reflex spell, which you have to recast every time you walk into a new room. Right. I, I was more uh, attesting to the fact that like there's enemies or bosses that like oh you have to have the dungeon item to kill that boss and that's like the primary use of that weapon for the entirety of the game and that's sort of like what started with this reflex spell business oh yeah yeah i don't mind um i don't mind that i just think like the the thing that i didn't like about it was you i mean a you have to recast it all the time and then b you know magic really is precious in adventure of like so yeah, it's kind of especially lame. if you're like me and you need to heal like all the time. I think reflect. It would have been nice if it was just um, an item, sort of like when you get the candle, for example. You get you right. get the candle now. Caves are always lit, unlike in like Legend of Zelda, where you had to use the candle every single time you went into a dark cave. Like right, I, I agree. If reflect was sort of like the candle, where it's like, oh, this is just a new ability that you always have now. Yeah, or maybe tying it like. Uh, to your shield and having like a mirror shield of sorts or a reflect shield that'd be interesting all right so the last thing that i um jotted down that i really loved about this game and if there's anything i missed that you guys want to bring up let's do it but i really love the uh the platforming of it and uh i think i'm uh i think that's a divided opinion i think some people like the platforming aspects some people don't i you know i'm i'm a sucker for um for old school platformers like like Mega Man 2 or Mario Bros those are some of my favorite games so uh, I like when you kind of get into that groove and you're jumping on um, you know little little pieces of land that's over lava and, and you just you get into that rhythm and you get into that groove I like the platforming aspects of this game and I actually wish that there was a little bit more yeah I, I like I like being able to I mean it goes it, like in the later portion of the game it goes hand in hand with the down thrust like yes it, and it's like uh, but yeah, with with when you're going over those, those like, uh, those like bridges that are crumbling, so you're you're kind of in a time crunch where you can't just stop and think about what you have to do. It it, it gives it a little bit more of an like an intensity factor, I think. Um, I do say I, I do I will say that there are, are some platforming portions that I find to be really annoying, like when you have to jump up like three levels, like three blocks high, and you got to get that like perfect jump. Oh yeah. Yeah. I regularly find myself like that timing is awkward or when there's a gap that's like you know, a perfect you have to almost jump right at the edge to get over. Yeah, it's like a ninja turtles gap. Yeah, or, or it's, and then it's like then you can jump up and then you're like, "Okay, I don't want to do this jump. I'm just going to cast the jump spell." And you have to waste magic even though you know you can get up there, but it's just annoying. Um yeah. Yeah. There's a few aspects that are a little annoying, but I guess I don't know if that's much different than in Mega Man or Mario. You're even uh, like I, I wouldn't suggest that this game has better like yeah. platforming segments than Mega Man, but 
the the segments that are in there, I I like them for the most part. Yeah, I think this game uh, excels in having areas where there's platforming in conjunction with combat where you kind of need to like plan out going through a room and know like, okay, like these guys are going to be here. I'm going to need to fight them or like maybe I'm going to pull an iron knuckle away from where I am because I'm near like not even a gap, but near like a door that's locked. So you don't want to like accidentally jump and hit the top of it. So you have to like kite these enemies away and fight them. I think that's where this game kind of excels. Yeah, I agree. Actually, one thing that I I kind of had to learn to do is to slow down in some of these platforming stages, especially when you've got the um, I can't remember their name, but like the the ghost heads or whatever that are flying at you. Oh, the moas. Yeah, yeah, um, or or just like any kind of enemy like that 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 spawns like that. Like if you're if you're going as fast as you can, then you're probably gonna get hit and you're probably gonna fall and you're probably gonna die. So this game, um, you know some of the platforming stages are awesome where you can just go really fast, but then there's also some stages where you really do have to slow down or, or you're toast. So saying that, I, I don't know if I, if I love that as much as the, the platform where you can just go, 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 but it is, uh, at least there's an intelligence behind it. Yeah. And I think that it, it just translates into the gameplay. I think it's just fun. I think just the combat and the gameplay, just the combination like, I don't ever feel while I'm playing the game, there's a lot more action in this game than, than most Zelda games, I would say. And it's just it's just fun. I like the, the controls and the way it plays. All right, so we've talked about the things that we like in this game. Um, before we move on to the things that maybe this game didn't do so great, is there anything else that you guys want to bring up, something that you really like about Adventure of Link that we didn't cover? I do like some of the um, the enemy designs, and I really appreciate that uh, all the way up until like the last palace, the great the greatest palace. Um, they're they're unique enemies that only show up there. I think that's pretty amazing. Um, I think there's a pretty good variety of, of enemies that you fight, and the progression of that is is pretty awesome. So like enemy design, I, I like them. Did you say up until the last palace, or including the last palace? No, I including the last palace. I'm saying like you have you have enemies that are brand new to the uh, to the great palace. Yeah, and this was something they did with the the original Legend of Zelda as well, with like the Land Molas yeah, and Patra, Patra. Um, and it got amplified even further with Adventure because there's like five new enemies that are exclusively yeah. in the great palace, and this got Randy Olson. Yeah, the the the. I forgot the Foca. Uh, the fo- There's the guy, the the birds that throw the fire. I think they're faux tails. There's those guys. There's the giant bot. There's the giant bubble. So there's there's a hand, and then there's blue and red varieties of some of these guys. And yes, the the variety. I think it's very important for there to be new enemies and new. Uh, so you're not just fighting the same guys over and over. And I feel this is something that's. Uh, has been lost in the Zelda series in some of the more recent titles and it's kind of a shame actually because I always like it's nice seeing stuff that's brand new so late in your adventure and, and I, I do think that it's more important for a game like this to have a, a, more, a different like variety of enemies than I think it is for like a Breath of the Wild 
because there's so, like there's so much world to explore in Breath of the Wild, and I know that that game, and even you and I were talking about it last week. That game has been criticized for you know its repetitive enemies. I think it's more important for like a side scroller that is you know action orientated to have new enemies. But yeah, I, I would agree with you about that, and I would even say like, I like a lot of the bosses too. I, th- I think that this game does a, a pretty good job presenting you like different bosses um, overall. So yeah, I'd, I'd throw that into I'd throw that into uh, something that this game does right as well. Yeah, we need to get some of these bosses to make a return and bring back uh, Horsehead or Barba. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to bring that guy I like back. Barba. Barba's probably my favorite boss. Barba's awesome. Yeah, he's Barbara's kind like, of. Barbara looks like he's something out of Metroid. Well, Barbara was like retconned as call as being called Volvagia. In okay. yeah, pretty in much. which version was it? I think it was, was it the. I don't remember. Maybe in the Game Boy Advance version. It, maybe or the, I remember seeing it in some sort of guide or something, but I think they've actually retconned it back with like Zelda. Oh, like we got Barbara could, back. So that that's good. I, I would love yeah, to see. There's some I'd wild, love to see, wild bosses. I'd love to see a Thunderbird return in a in a like yeah. an upgraded Thunderbird. That'd be great. Yeah, I'd, I'd be down for that. Um, I was thinking a random thought, but when I was fighting Thunderbird, he kind of reminded me of this enemy that you fight in of all games, Horizon Zero Dawn for the PlayStation Four. There's this Whoa. big like, there's this big bird that's uh, he shoots like thunder at you, and I was like, man, this kind of familiar uh you're kind of similar to that so i was kind of getting those vibes um from that let's move on and let's talk about some of the things that this game does not do well and i feel like i might be a little bit more critical than you guys so i'll just go ahead here i feel like adventure link has artificial difficulty i have no problems with games that are hard but when you add in things that make the game artificially hard for example restarting from the very beginning every time you die no checkpoints enemies that you can't hit when they're throwing like the blue iron knuckle is ridiculous he's a ridiculous enemy he throws like a million knives at you and you you can't hit them every time you try and hit an enemy they just move back or they block you it's like it's bonkers like how difficult these enemies are and for you know, for the amount of health that they take and the amount of time that you spend retracing your steps, it's just like, it's mind-boggling to me that you can't restart from the last town that you were in or you can't restart from, like, the last, let's say, Death Mountain is a good example. You leave Death Mountain, you can't restart from there. I, like, that that just drives me nuts. Um, The enemies that you can't hit drives me nuts. I, you know, we talked about the Wizard Robes earlier. It's... That one is just like, go! Why can't I just hit these guys with my sword? This is this is bonkers. Or even some of the um, some of the enemies that you get in the later parts where you need the fire spell to do that. Like, if this game maybe gave you more magic, I would be less conservative in using that. But it doesn't. So you you either have to just deal with it, waste magic, which then sets you up to die in the next room, or you skip past them somehow if you can. So I think that this game is like just artificially hard in a way that like Zelda 1 wasn't and a lot of other NES games aren't hard either like you you play this game and you play what I used earlier as an example Mega Man 2 I I mean there's just there's no comparison in how the difficulty of those games 
you know, and I know that 1987 was a different time, and that, you know, games generally were harder to increase their replay value, but, like, there is multiple times when I'm playing this game that I just, like, I, like, if I wasn't using the rewind feature, I would have quit, because I just don't want to restart and do it all over again. I think that your point about, uh, like, when you get game over and starting back at the palace is silly. Like, why do you have to go through the overworld again? That they didn't have that in Legend of Zelda. If you died in a dungeon, right. you just start at the beginning of the dungeon. Now, I understand they have lives in this one where they didn't have that in the original Legend of Zelda. So, I, you know, they understand that maybe they want to add that aspect to it. But, like... To me, that's just stupid because that's just it's just frustrating, especially when you're further in the game and you have to walk a long way, and you know you take damage just getting back to where you were at. Like that's I think that's just not fun, and um, and it's it's a little frustrating when like if you had five thousand experience points and you needed I don't know fifty two hundred. I'm making up numbers here. I don't think those are actually the. And then it's like you get game over and it's all right back to zero experience yep. points it yeah it feels pretty terrible it, it is and like because it's like you could just sit around in like dungeon like especially once you get the down thrust and just like down thrust bubbles over and two over bubbles. and over and over and gr like play for two hours and grind your way to 888 if you wanted to <laughs> who wants to do that though god that would take forever yeah it's, that's a lot of bubbles it, it would be nice if there was some sort of middle ground like i think like pokemon does it well like when you if you black out you don't lose all your money i think they take half your money is that true that's uh, not even that uh, not I think even they become you, a little more generous feet. now yeah okay it would be it'd be i think that would be a good middle ground like all right you get game over in the middle of a dun a middle of a palace all right you lose half your experience points and you restart at the beginning of the palace i think it would make the quality of life improvement so much better yeah, I think that's the root of it. Really, is the checkpoints like, and and it's odd too because this game does it so, you know, for the for the first, uh, up until the last palace, you're just you lose, you game over, you start at the beginning. Um, I think that, you know, when you're gearing up to go to the great palace, you're storming in there full of piss and vinegar, ready to you know beat the entire game. It feels a lot better that you can die there and start at the beginning of the palace. It doesn't feel as bad. It takes some of the bite away. You know, it's it's artificial difficulty is the best term that I could think of for it. It's it's difficulty for the sake of difficulty, and it's it's frustrating to play. And you know, I I feel. Like, it's weird, because you almost feel like a wimp complaining about it. And, you know, I, I posted something in the Zelda chat in our Discord about uh, how I hated blue iron knuckles. And somebody was like, get good. And I was like, okay. So, uh, it, you know, <laughs> but I mean, like, really, it's... They're tough. It's frustrating. It's, you, you can't hit them. You, and there's lots of instances like that. Or, like, even when, um, even when you're going towards Great Palace and you've got, uh, you've got all of the, the enemies shooting fire at you and there's like multiple different enemies um, behind the I think there are Lizalfos that are shooting fireballs at you and it's just like this is ridiculous like give me give me something that would have been a good place to use fairy actually now that I think about it there you go but just like just stuff like that that you know it's like this is 
this is bonkers like how hard this is like, you know if i die here i don't have a problem dying if if i feel like i have messed up like if i miss a jump like that's my fault but if i feel like i have legitimately hit a blue iron knuckle multiple times but the hit isn't recording and he's like consistently stabbing me with knives i'm just like Ugh, you know so I, I think that that's the single biggest flaw of this game. I'm actually okay with with the enemies. I, I really am. I like them. I like the, the the progression of them where you fight the like the orange iron knuckles early on, and then the red ones have a little more power, and then the blue ones are like a much more difficult. Uh, maybe they appear a little too early in the game because I think they might be some of the, outside of like the blue and red Lizalfos. Those are probably the toughest like base enemies, um, and maybe the red Dyeras. It's maybe it's just the yes. the pacing of the enemies or or the overworld segments that's a little awkward to me, uh, in particular with Death Mountain. Like I I know the game after you beat the first palace it kind of opens up where you don't have to go to Death Mountain you can go play, you know uh, was it the Medora Palace the Swamp the second palace. Yeah, you can go straight there. You can do that, and I think you're supposed to, but you could go to Death Mountain as well. And it's just like it. It would have been nice if maybe there was like a bear. Like, actually, it's probably fine because maybe just a pathway that guided you to level two instead. Yeah, because you naturally want to go. The to, game guides you. You naturally want to go to Death Mountain because it's it's first. That's what you see. Uh, then again, I don't want to say they should have blocked that off because they definitely shouldn't have done that. Because I like that. There's not that many options in terms of doing stuff out of order in this, but that's like. Right. I think that's the only case, actually, now that I think about it. Um, but it's like, ooh, that's a brutal part. Even after Dungeon 2, that's still difficult. But if you went to Death Mountain when you had, like, a level 5 sword or something, then it you know, it would have been more appropriate in terms of pacing. Because, like, I think you, you have to do Death Mountain before you do the third palace. And I think the third yes. palace is easier than Death Mountain outside of the blue dark dungeon. Or blue iron knuckle. Yeah, I think it's just the the amount of diras that are showing up in Death Mountain, especially the red ones that don't really have much of a pattern. Like you can take three hits or four hits, and you're just out. It's the it's yeah. the consecutive amount of caves you got to go through, and then if you die back at the back at North Palace and or North Castle, and you got to start over again. Yeah, and you could be missing like missing out on like 600 experience. Like if you're grinding to try and get the highest attack then that's a, a huge problem if you die in Death Mountain. Um, that's something that I find troubling with a little bit of the experience that is tied to this as well. You lose all of your experience when you die, um, and you need to get the highest amount to uh, you know to actually level that up. You don't bank any experience points, and it gets more difficult as you go. So you need to kind of keep like a little bit above your second highest skill that you have leveling up and you want to keep that when you beat the palace so you have to like strategize a bit oh you're talking but then you don't want to level up too much okay so just clarifying like uh, when i first played this game whenever i got to an upgrade i immediately upgraded and i think that's how 90 probably 99 percent of people who play this game do like andy you play that way yeah it's that yeah i did although to kevin's point I, I beat, uh, I want to say Ocean Palace, and I think I had, I was about 10 points away from leveling up when I beat the boss, and so 
or maybe after I got after I beat the boss, I was uh, ten points away or whatever. And then when I put the uh, the jewel in, I you know how it automatically levels you up. So yeah. it automatically leveled me up ten points, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, yeah. And I it's and awful. I forgot that it did that. And so if I would have remembered, I would have just went and killed anything and leveled up. But so yeah, I was uh, I was frustrated at that, and that's an aspect of experience that I think is bogus in this game. Yeah, I think that's a flaw. Like it, it should just be like returning one of the stones should just give you you know a set amount of experience. It should give you no experience actually. They should just. They should just add it to the boss and and wait the bosses a little more. I think that'd be more appropriate. Yeah, I think it, it's a little flawed with the way that I understand it's like a sign of the times with the game. But you know why not just level like Link just levels up and you get more health, you get more magic, you get a stronger sword. The only reason I think they did it that way is that you up so then you end the dungeon the palace with an upgrade and you're at zero experience points. And it makes sense. It's a good cutoff point where you can save mm-hmm. and quit and, and 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 stop playing your session at that point. Yeah. Back in the day, at least when there was no safe space. Yeah, exactly. Because I think if you save and restart your game, you automatically start at the at the north uh, north castle with zero experience yes. points. Yes. So. Yeah, you are. I think that's that's the like like if you beat you know. It's the mentality. There. If you beat like Rubenock or something, the third palace, and you get seven hundred experience points, and you got an upgrade. And it's like, oh, you got 600 experience points still in the bank. You're going to want to, like, oh, well, I don't want to save now because I'm going to lose all my experience points. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's another flaw, too, like the saving. The sa- Well, the saving, that's, I don't think that's a flaw. I think that's actually a positive. But this is a. Well, losing the experience? Uh, well, no. The, this is more of a positive uh, at the time because you got to keep in mind Legend of Zelda had an internal save on the cartridge, Adventure of Link had that same thing. And this is still early NES. There were very few games that had a save system. Mm. Almost none of them. It's usually passwords. Yeah. So that was actually, I think, a, a benefit. Granted, you could lose your save system based on like wacky things that could happen to the cartridge. The data just erases. But I think in the grand scheme of things, that is a positive. Where, keep in mind, most NES games, you had to play and beat in one sitting. Adventure of Link, Legend right. of Zelda... Uh, you didn't have to do that. I think this is lost in 2020, though. Like I agree. Yeah. But this was a benefit at the time. Um, a couple other things that I want to talk about, just more so minor flaws to me in Adventure of Link. Um, you know, we we talked earlier. I like the dungeons, and I like the way that they're laid out. It does feel, and Great Palace is probably the exception to this, but you know, when you when you get to like some of the latter dungeons, like like Hidden Palace. It looks like every dungeon looks and feels the same, and I understand that that's a hardware limitation, so I'm not beating up on it too, too much. But it looks the same, it sounds the same. To me, that's a little bit of a negative, a little bit of a downer, even understanding, you know, the extenuating circumstances behind that. It, it is, um, it would have been nice to, to just see some kind of difference between the palaces because every palace is basically the same you go in you have your elevator you can go left right enemies boss bam done i think that that's a little bit of a negative uh, but i'm not gonna harp on it i I agree but i think they they it was the same thing with legend of zelda and like the only thing that they did is they just they swapped the color palettes so it's like the the background is a different color to indicate that it's oh like yeah i i think i said the same for for zelda one too um, as well when we were doing that show 
it, but and like I said, I don't want to harp on it, but it, it is something that you notice, especially, you know, when you get to another dungeon, you're just like, oh, it's the exact same, except this dungeon is green. Right. Yeah. So here, yeah. here I go again. Uh, one thing too that uh, I'm not. Sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't, and I think I lean more so on I just don't like it. But all the random encounters that are on the overworld, I think it might have been nicer if they if if the random encounters existed on the overworld but didn't move so fast and didn't move towards you where it was like you could maybe choose to engage with them or you could choose not to i think that that might be a little bit better than the system that they had where like you got to be really really fast if you want to avoid these random encounters i i like what they were going for but i i think i would have liked it a little bit more if you could you know if you were just like okay yeah i want to I want to fight some enemies, I could use some experience points, or like, no, I'm not really in a position right now where I want to battle. Yeah, that I think that could improve, but then again, I think it's also, for given the time, there was a lot of other games that had random encounters with no warning whatsoever. Uh, even a game like, you know, take Pokemon Blue yeah, and Final Fantasy. Pokemon Red or something, yeah. where it's like, you know, you don't even see what you're, you're just literally walking and you get into an encounter and it's a little more frustrating. This is probably one step better well, I, than I that. I mean, to the flip side of that, though, like at least in, in Pokemon or even like old school Final Fantasy, you're, let's say that you're you're walking in grass where like you know that there is a good chance that you're gonna have a random battle. Where like this is just everywhere on the overworld. No, not on the roads. Yeah, if there's on... some area. Yeah, like the roads. If you stick on those, you're safe. Yeah. Okay, so it's like ninety percent of the <laughs> yeah. overworld. Yeah, <laughs> just just embrace your Dorothy and follow the yellow brick road. You'll be fine. And you know what? This is something that they've held true in the entire Legend of Zelda series, actually. Like, I noticed this in Ocarina of Time. Like, if you're in Hyrule Field and you stay on the road, the stall children don't appear. If you're on the road in Breath of the Wild, stall moblins and stall, you know, stall goblins don't often appear. It's like, they've they've held true to this. (laughs) Stick to the road. (laughs) Yeah. Stick to the Nehru Road. All right, another thing, and again, I'm beating up on something that's 30 years old, um, but, you know, I'm a big story guy. Obviously, the first two entries into the Zelda series aren't, like, story-focused. I mean, they're story-focused enough. It would have been cool, I think, if we saw, uh, I don't know, maybe something a little bit more. Because, like, this game didn't come out that long before a game like Metal Gear did, which was very story-driven, so... To me, the story was a little lacking. Um, this is like a very, very minor criticism, though, because, you know, we're in the NES era. I think the story was good enough. The final fight with Dark Link was cool. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it would have been nice to see maybe maybe something else. Maybe the, the non-playable characters in this game could have fleshed out the story a little bit more than they did. Um, that's a very minor criticism for me, but it's uh, just something that I noticed. I, I would agree. If you want to play... Oh, me too. Um, I was just going to add, if, if you want to play Zelda 2 with more story, go play uh, Rambo on NES. <laughs> That's not a good game at all. No, it's That's not. That's awful. That, yeah. What are you saying? But it's got more text. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. It's all about the text in these games. I, I will say I really appreciated both the original Legend of Zelda and the Adventure of Link's uh, the, 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 like the additional content that came with the game. Like the game manual that had, 
I was going to say, I bet you that there's probably more story in the game manual than there is the actual game itself. The entire story yeah. is in the game manual, I would say. Oh, there is the title screen story in, in Adventure Everlink. But, yeah, the overwhelming majority of it is they've got the cutscene, or they've got the big scene artwork for all the scenes with the with the prince and the king. And, and, and there's there's a lot of actual, with the moblins taking over the village. So there, there's some nice artwork and... Uh, a lot of uh, individual enemy artwork. Not as extensive as Legend of Zelda was, but Adventure of Link still had that. And um, that was kind of the last game to fully do it. I know Link to the Past still had some awesome stuff in their manual, but that was the end of the era. And uh, so it, I do agree that the in-game story, it's like, who cares? You're, you're Link, you're trying to beat the bad guy and save the princess. That's the story. Yeah, and I mean, that's pretty much all anybody needs back in 1987. But just looking at it uh, through today's lenses, it would have been a little bit nice. Um, so let's uh, let's quickly do some roundup questions here, and then we'll get out of here for Adventure of Link. It makes me wonder, and I want your guys' opinion on this, why, like, why do you think Nintendo decided to release a game like this um, after the success of Zelda 1? Because it is radically different than Zelda 1. And you look and you see Super Mario Bros. And when Super Mario Bros. 2 came out, it was it was very much in the same vein as Super Mario Bros. 1. Yes, you could have different characters, but a lot of it was the same. Whereas Zelda 2 is just like this radically different game. I'm just, you know, I've always wondered it myself. I'm wondering what your guys' theories are of why Nintendo would try to just drastically deviate from the you know, from the formula that brought them so much success with Zelda 1. I, I would say that at the time, though, there was only one Zelda game. So the, there, there was no established formula. And Zelda 2 was a success as well. There was no, it was not a, like, I don't think anybody in the world in 1988, you know, 89 was like, you know, maybe some people liked one game better than the other, but nobody thought that Adventure of Link was like an abysmal game. It was really, you know, like looking at like the magazines at the time and people talking about it, it's very well regarded. So, was, it, right, and I, I'm not trying to suggest that I, I think that people thought that it was bad. It's just like my point is that it's just so different. It doesn't follow a lot of the same aspects as the first Zelda. It makes you wonder why Nintendo, like, went away from that formula and, and tried something so radically different that had potential to alienate people. I, and you mentioned Super Mario Brothers. Like I think Super Mario Brothers Two, I would argue that Super Mario Brothers Two is is radically different than Super Mario Brothers. I think so too. Yeah. It, in fact, you know, you know this. Everybody knows the story about Super. They made a Super Mario Brothers Two in Japan, and felt it didn't fit in the U.S. So that's and so then they they took an existing game that was already out in Japan, rebranded it as Mario, and released it as Super Mario Brothers Two. And like to me, that's that was a radically different change. But even those are good games in both scenarios. Uh, but, yeah, so I don't really view it... I, I think, like, maybe at the time they thought... Nobody knows if they... Like, they thought Legend of Zelda could have been a one-off game. or But maybe after Part 2 they thought it was going to be like an anthology series where every game was radically different. Which, in some would argue that Nintendo has done that. With, you know, with games like, you know, Phantom Hourglass and Skyward Sword, where it's like... Every, they always are reinventing the wheel with the type of game it is. Yeah, I think this was before the era of like a system definer. 
uh, we spoke a few weeks back about how um, The Legend of Zelda is like a mega franchise. That wasn't really the case back with these games, so you could take like a big risk and, and make like a completely different game. Um, and I think there is also like a trend for this. It, there's a lot of 2D side-scrolling games on the NES. And they're all really, well, they're not all really good, but th- there's a lot of good ones that you could pick out. And right. uh, there's a lot of games that did a lot of similar things to this. Like Castlevania 2 comes to mind, where it's more of like, there's an RPG, there's a shop, there's a store that you need to buy things in. You're leveling up. Uh, games like Metroid, where you have a 2D side-scroller, where you're going around getting upgrades. Um, it could have just been a logical, you know, development decision. Like, hey, we have all these people that are working for Nintendo making Metroid. Oh wow, that'd be cool. Imagine if we put Link in that, and you know, did Metroid, but like a high fantasy Metroid. Yeah, I, I understand. I, I guess my uh, the point I'm I'm just wondering aloud about is, you know, the original Legend of Zelda sold what close to seven million copies and was kind of an alternative to a lot of these. Um, 2d side scrollers so in my mind it, it makes sense that like obviously there's an audience for that alternative and for that style of game so it's it, it always seems strange to me that they um and with the sequel instead of giving you more of that alternative they kind of you know took the other direction and and turned zelda into more of what you would usually see on the nes so yeah i, I but i i think your guys' points are are totally valid it's um you know, definitely NES was the king of the side scrollers, and you know, I'm sure that I'm sure that obviously nobody was complaining that much because, as we talked about earlier, this game sold five million copies, and you know, ha- was was another catalyst for the Zelda series uh, continuing its rise to, that continues today. So, just a question I've always wondered about. Um, here's another question for you guys. A lot of people call this the black sheep of the series. Do you like? Do you think that's a fair term to say and and i'm gonna go first and say like i i think like if you're if you're saying black sheep in a non-negative connotation i think that's fair i think if it's a negative connotation it's maybe not but it is just like very radically different you know you have most of the games in the series that follow either like the a link to the past or the ocarina of time model basically where a lot of the the core gameplay is is the same as those two games so this, like, when you play Adventure of Link, it does feel very, very, very different. And so in that aspect, I would say, like, I, I guess I kind of agree with the narrative that it's a black sheep, but then, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that in, like, a in a bad way, if that makes sense. What are your guys' takes? Yeah, it's definitely, like, it's totally different. So it's it's it sticks out like a sore thumb. Uh, however, I would say that it was viewed more like that like 10 years ago or maybe even 15 years ago when there was only six, seven, eight games. Uh, I think as sort of, I, I kind of said this moments ago, the diversity of the types of games that have come out now like make it, it, it doesn't seem as radically different anymore because I think like a game like Breath of the Wild is so radically different than anything they've done. And, right. and uh, I mentioned like Phantom Hourglass as well, and, like, and and so now it's like there's just different types of Zelda games, but it it I think it's viewed as a black sheep in a negative sense because multiple things compound on one another. Where it's it's a side scroller, it's a really old game, 
and it's 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 like you know it's just an NES game and it's 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 a really difficult it's just not as approachable as a lot of games so I think it's it's kind of turned that into a negative yeah I agree I, I agree with you Masi's um it's definitely like it's a unique game um I think that as time goes on it becomes more and more difficult to approach although I think Maybe with uh, like the Switch version is, is kind of a, a step in the right direction where you have that that rewind feature, um, you have that SP mode. So it this might change the opinion of, of people going forward a bit that say, oh yeah, like oh, I played it on uh, the you know NES Switch Online. Now uh, it's a lot easier than than when I played it like ten or twelve years ago, and it was awful because I died at Death Mountain. Um, I think that making it more accessible will kind of change people's opinions on it. Okay, well, let's uh, let's build off that and ask the million-dollar question before we get out of here. Uh, should this game be remade in a modern setting? You know, it seems to be a trend with Zelda games to either get, you know, enhanced ports or complete remakes like we saw with Link's Awakening. Is Zelda 2 a prime candidate for that? Would you want to see it? Do you think that... Do you think it's worth remaking this game? Do you think it ever actually happens? Would you want to see a Zelda 2 remake? No, I don't think so. I don't think it'll ever happen. I think it could have happened uh, 25 years ago, maybe. Uh, like, I think of um, the Super Mario series when they had Super Mario Brothers on the NES, and then they made Super Mario All-Stars, and they took the existing game, but they just gave it a graphical overhaul to make it look a little fancier. Like, I think they could have done something like that with the... Le- like, they kind of did that, actually, with the original Legend of Zelda, with the, what was it, the broadcast satellite version of it, uh, where it gave it, like, 16-bit graphics, almost. I think they could have done something like that with Adventure of Link then, but uh, I, I think that time has passed, and uh, I don't think remaking it would, would make any sense. I, I, I don't think it, it needs it. Uh, I would say that uh, I would not be opposed to, like, an indie developer taking Adventure of Link as like a concept almost and making a new game in the Legend of Zelda series like in that same vein uh, but uh, as, a, as its own separate unique game yeah I could see like I can't see this getting like a Link's Awakening Switch type remake um, something I could see because this goes a little hand in, excuse me hand in hand with uh, the original Legend of Zelda where it's like, how do you remake this game? Um, and I think having like the SP mode or, or Life of Luxury, whatever you want to call it, and having like rewind is, is a step in the right direction. But that only is like a band-aid on some of the issues that we kind of described today with the game. Um, with like the checkpoints and maybe some of the difficulty and things like that. Um, I could see a remake of this game similar to like what you just mentioned, Masis, which, which was a, a good comparison, like the all-stars version of super mario um but maybe having like a bundled collection of like zelda 1 and zelda 2 and you just have like those rewind features the sp mode and like maybe a graphics update maybe a few quality of life changes but i don't see like a full-blown you know 3d model the remake of of zelda 2 happening anytime soon yeah i'm gonna make it 0 for 3 moss actually stole my answer almost word for word because um, my my original idea was like if this was gonna happen, this would have probably happened during the Game Boy Advance time 
when you saw kind of and Mario Two actually Super Mario Brothers Two. Uh, I think it was released as Super Mario Advance yes. on the Game Boy Advance. I could have seen it happening then, but instead we got a re-release of A Link to the Past. You know, I think that there's a lot of issues with Link's or Adventure of Link, excuse me, that just make it not worth it. And and like, I mean, essentially you'd have to rebuild the game. Uh, I think the checkpoints could be done easily enough, but like you'd have to redo the random encounters. Um, you'd have to, I, I just think re, you'd have to rebuild so much and tweak the combat so much that it's just not worth it. The The idea maybe could live on in a new game, but to remake this game itself, I, I don't think it would happen ever. Uh, I wouldn't be upset if it did, but, I mean, this is also a short game. Like, we, what did we beat this in? Like, two hours at the marathon? Maybe not even? Um, this, yeah, speed runs of the game are just over an hour. I, uh, two and a half, three hours is a pretty good time for, for this game. But I, the average person, probably five or six if they're familiar with it. Right. So, I mean, even let's say six hours, like that's, it's just a short game. And, and I don't think that today's market is going to accept a new Zelda game that's like, let's even say 10 hours long. I just, I don't think that there's going to be an audience for that. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that the Switch release with the rewind feature and the SP feature is, is almost like Adventure of Link getting a remake in a sense because it fixes a lot of the big issues that it had, namely the checkpoints and uh, the difficulty. So I think that that is, is pretty much as, as close as we're ever going to get to a remake for Adventure of Link. Uh, I know that when we said that we were doing this episode, that was basically the question that everybody wanted to ask is, you know, is this going to get remade? Um, I really don't. I think that that Adventure of Link and Zelda 1 are going to just live on on the NES, and that's okay. Yes. There we go. Uh, wow, we went uh, <laughs> we went pretty long today, but I think that we, we had a good discussion about Adventure of Link. Talked more about Adventure of Link than I ever thought that we would um, on the Champions cast here, but I'm glad that we did. This has been a show a long time in the making. Um, let's get out of here, guys. Uh, Moss, thank you for once again coming on the show i don't know what we did to deserve you two weeks in a row but must have been something bad and i'm gonna plug something real quick you can now follow me on instagram at mossy's underscore hagopian there you go that's a that's a nice uh low rule puzzle that you saw or that you have there Moss. yeah I'm, 2020 is the year of instagram for me there you go um so yeah follow moss over on instagram also on twitter at Mossy's the great Kevin. As always, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Andy. It's it's always great to be on the show, especially talking Adventure of Link. It's a good time. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Spateria three sixteen. Kevin at Shabazzle and Moss, like we said, at Mossy's the Great. Uh, we want you to head over to Podbean, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Like, subscribe, review, tell a friend. If you've got a Zelda fanatic in your life, tell them about the Champions cast and ZeldaDungeon.net where they can go to get all of the latest Zelda news and Zelda features. Uh, Leave us a five-star review if you think we've earned it. That's going to do it for us. We are out of here this week. Next week, we are going to be taking your questions about anything Zelda-related. So uh, hit me up on Twitter or Discord, and we will read your questions on the show. Until then, 
Have a good week. See you guys later.